Welcome to the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. This is a podcast of stories, stories of devastating loss and grief and heartbreak and struggle, and stories of hope and healing and faith and yes, even joy. Stories that will help us live well while we're waiting to see our children in heaven one day. We pray that these stories will be an encouragement to you as you walk this road of grief. Welcome back to the podcast today. I wanted to share with you a little bit today about some things that I have learned over the last 11 and a half years. It's been that long since Hannah drew her last earthly breath and stepped into the arms of Jesus. I have to be honest and say that my immediate reaction at that moment was relief that she was no longer suffering from cancer. But that relief was quickly swallowed up by grief, overwhelming, nearly debilitating sorrow at the loss of my precious daughter. In those raw early days of grief, I remember looking at other people who had lost children several years previously and wondering how on earth those people had made it. I could not fathom making it through 11 days or even 11 weeks, much less 11 years. And yet, here I am. It still doesn't seem possible. I'm not the same person I was 11 years ago, nor will I ever be that person again. And that's not all bad. In fact, that's probably a really good thing. God has done a lot of work in my life over the last 11 years, work that needed to be done. And oh my, he's got a lot more to do. But if you'll bear with me, I'd like to share a few of the things I've learned over the last 11 years. Things I wish I had known from the beginning. Number one, the loss of a child is indescribably difficult. It impacts every fiber of your being and shakes you to your very core. There are times, even now, when it seems unsurvivable. But does. It really does get better. There are those who will tell you that it never gets better. Don't believe them. Here's an illustration from my friend Margaret that may help. When grief is new, it's like a giant heavy boulder you carry around with you. It's so big, the only way you can carry it is right in front of you. And because it's so large, it's pretty much all you can see. You can hardly see around it, and the weight of it makes it hard to even take a step forward. Everything in your life is consumed by the size and weight of this boulder. Over time, and the amount of time is different for everyone, the boulder gradually becomes more like a toddler that you carry around on your hip. It's not quite as heavy, but it's still cumbersome, and like all toddlers, can be pretty demanding and requires a lot of energy to carry. But at least you can see what's ahead of you. It's a little easier to walk forward, and most of the time you even have one arm free. Finally, again over time, the toddler becomes more like a backpack. It's still there. It's still heavy. You'll never be unaware of it, but it's manageable. You can live life wearing a backpack. You're forever changed, but that's okay. We don't want to go through an experience like this unchanged. Number two, much of the battle on this journey is spiritual. Actually, much may be the wrong word. All is probably closer to the truth. At the time when we are the most vulnerable, Satan is absolutely relentless. He bashes us in the head again and again with if-onlys and what-ifs. 
He fills our minds with memories of horrific sights, sounds, and smells. He causes us to question God's goodness and mercy. For me, the best way to fight this battle is just to recognize it for what it is, spiritual warfare. Whenever I get really down, it's always because I've allowed Satan to get a foothold in my mind. Number three, this is not a competition. In those early days, I spent a lot of time wondering which was worse, losing a child suddenly and not being able to say goodbye, or having the opportunity to say goodbye but being forced to watch your child suffer in horrific ways. I wondered if it was easier, if the child you lost was an infant, or maybe it was easier if he or she was an adult when they went to heaven. I wondered how my grief stacked up against that of others. I've learned that it does not matter. After talking to hundreds of bereaved parents over the past 11 years, I found that even though our losses are all different, our pain is the same. The loss of a child is heartrending, no matter the child's age or the circumstances of his or her death. Number four, there is no time limit on grief. I really used to be so ignorant. I actually used to think people got over the death of a loved one within a couple of months, a year at the very most. I now know that one does not get over the death of a child. They just learn how to live without them. I will be over the loss of Hannah when I put my arms around her neck in heaven. Number five, pain is not wasted in God's economy. God can take our pain and bring good from it. I've learned that one of the best ways to ease my pain is to stop focusing inward and begin looking for ways to serve Him and others. It could be something big, like starting a ministry or a foundation in your child's memory, or it could be something that the world may view as small. One sweet mom I know watches the obituaries for parents who lose children close to her son's age when he died, and she writes them encouraging notes. Believe me, this is not a small thing to those who receive these gifts of love from her. Number six, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is dependent upon circumstances, and since the day Hannah was diagnosed with cancer just over 12 years ago, my circumstances have not been what I would have wanted them to be. Absolutely everything I do is tinged with sorrow to some degree, whether it's just going to work each day, celebrating a family birthday, or even going on vacation. Hannah is not here, and that means there is some sadness in my heart all the time. But I can still have joy in my life because that's not dependent upon my circumstances. Joy is unassailable because it comes from my relationship with God. Joy is that deep-down, rugged knowledge that God will one day make all things right, even a 17-year-old girl dying of cancer. Number seven, I don't have to be strong all the time. In fact, my greatest strength lies in weakness. I am not strong enough to do this on my own. I must allow myself to be weak and lean fully on Him. That is the only way to walk this road. 2 Corinthians 2.9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. As my dear friend Donna says, God tells us, I want you to be strong, but you don't have to be stronger than me. Number 8. 
C.S. Lewis once said, No one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear. In the early days of my grief, I felt very cavalier. The thing I had feared most in my life had happened. What else was there to be afraid of? As time has passed, though, I've begun to experience more fear. I've met parents who have lost two, three, even four children. If it happened to me once, why couldn't it happen again? This fear could easily become paralyzing, even debilitating. But I've learned that I must give that fear to God and put my loved ones in His hand. I want to love having them more than I fear losing them. Number nine, I have to remember that I am living in the temporary. This world that seems so real to us now will dissolve in a moment someday. I love these lines from the final book in the Narnia series, The Last Battle, by C.S. Lewis. There was a real railway accident, said Aslan softly. Your father and mother and all of you are, as you used to call it in the Shadowlands, dead. The term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is over. This is the morning. When this life in the Shadowlands, which is but a dream, is over, the holidays will truly begin and the morning will come. Number 10. I also have to remember this. My future with Hannah is going to be so much greater than my past with her. Our 17 and a half years with Hannah were wonderful, but they weren't perfect. They were marred by sin and sorrow and sickness. Joel 2.25 tells us that God will repay us for the years the locusts have eaten. When I think of what we have ahead of us, wow, there's no comparison. Number 11. I cannot put a question mark where God has put a period. God put a period at the end of Hannah's earthly life on February 26, 2009. I can question His wisdom in that all I want to, and believe me, I have, but the period is still there. I cannot change that, and I don't believe he wants me to waste the life he has given me in arguing with him about it. The period has not yet been placed at the end of my earthly life, and there are so much better things I could be doing with my energy and my time. God still has work for me to do here. Number 12. Everyone says stupid things to people who have lost children, and I know I've said some really dumb things myself. I can choose to replay the hurtful things people have said over and over in my mind, along with the snarky comebacks I wish I'd hit them with, or I can choose to extend grace to those folks and move forward. There is only one perfect comforter. All the rest of us fall short. Number 13. God is Sovereign. God knew the number of Hannah's days before she was born. Psalm 139.16 tells us this. There's not a single thing we could have done to extend her life by even one day. It does no good to question whether we should have gone to a different hospital or tried a different treatment. She lived exactly the number of days God had ordained for her. Number 14. Finally, I've learned that a short life is not an incomplete life. I've talked to parents whose child never took a breath outside of the womb, whose lives have been changed for eternity by that brief life. Eleven years is a long time, but it's eleven years closer to home, and that's just fine with me. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. 
Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it brought you some comfort and encouragement today and maybe made you feel a little less alone on the journey. Please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and and maybe leave us a rating in iTunes to help others find the podcast. Again, we're glad you spent a few minutes with us today. It's a blessing to walk beside you as we seek to live well while we're waiting. Thank you.